Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into a special live edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by kslsports.com. I'm your host and Utes insider, Trevor Allen, and I am excited to catch up with our next guest. It's been way too long. But we are going to catch up with running Utes head coach, Craig Smith. Coach, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Trevor. How are you? You look great, man. Look refreshed. <laughs> Do I? Olympic coverage, looking good. I mean, yeah, we're coming off of the Olympics, and then now Kyle Whittingham's program is opening up fall camp. But obviously, we need to talk about the running Utes. We'll, we'll touch on Kyle Whittingham's team here in a minute, because I, I know that you're into college football. Um, but I just want to uh, touch on a few things. First off, you guys now have an MTE. You guys are going to go to Florida, sunny Florida. Hopefully things are good as far as the, the uh, COVID part of it, but you guys are going to go play in the Sunshine Slam. Just talk about that a little bit. First of all, I, I am really into college football and the NFL. Go Vikes. Let's go. Oh, okay. uh, uh, yeah, you know, our sc- scheduling is always uh, – it's one of the most difficult parts of the job. It's, it's, I, I say that pretty consistently whenever we bring up scheduling because it is. It's not as easy as, hey, we want to play you. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean they want to play us. And then you got to figure out that the, the, the dates is always a difficult thing. And then, you know, home and homes. I, I'm a big believer in trying to get home and homes with high major teams. Um, but that's getting more and more difficult all the time. The exempt tournament or the MTE down in Florida, we're really excited about, you know, um, starting with Boston College, Jim Molinari is a good friend of ours. He's uh, an assistant there. Um, and so that's the first game. And and um, and hopefully we can take care of business and, and take on the winner of Rhode Island and um, Tulsa. So those guys have been very good uh, in the last few years. So uh, we're excited to go down there, you know, scheduling – uh, is always difficult. We're going to play them the week before uh, we play some some higher end um, teams. That way, you know, we got such a new team, eight new guys in our program. You know, returned twenty four percent of our scoring, and that was mainly it's mainly Brandon Carlson and Riley Bettin. So, uh, you know, we don't know exactly who we are or what we are. So, the scheduling piece has been an ongoing thing. We're getting close to being done here. 
I think as long as these contracts go through, uh, as long as everything goes through, we truly have one game to get. And, uh, and I think we're very close to getting that as well. So it'll be a good, you know, when you can play back-to-back games in that kind of a setting, I think you find out a lot about yourself in terms of what kind of depth that we have. Um, uh, and I think you find out real quick, like, who's starting to figure things out, especially at that time of year. So we're excited to get down there and compete. It seems like in those season tournaments, you usually ha- have fared well, especially with the Aggies. You guys have gone on to play in some really good tournaments with some really quality teams. What is kind of the key to that? Because I know that in the past, Utah has struggled in uh, some of those tournaments. Well, there's a lot that goes into it. First of all, you need to be good, and and we were good you know, at Utah State. Uh, I think you got to schedule. There's, Like I said, go, scheduling right matters, and that means – that's all the way through and through. When you when you schedule your MTE, we try to build around our MTE and obviously conference play. It is a little different here. And last year we we had it at Utah State for the first time where we played league games. So we play Pac-12 games in December. So that throws a little bit of a – it makes it more difficult because you got to make sure you're peaking, I mean, somewhat at that time. Obviously you're not peaking for your season at that time, but – you want to get off to a good start in conference play. So, you know, what's the travel look like? What's your non-conference games before that? So we do. We're, we're trying to figure out our MTE for next year right now, and I think we're very close to doing that. And then you build around it appropriately. You know, what games do you have to go on the road for? What games are you at home? This year we play BYU at home. Next year we're at BYU. Not that that's a difficult road trip in terms of the travel, but obviously it's always going to be a – a tough game, right? Especially with our, you throw records out the window. It's always going to be a tough physical game um, anytime you have a rivalry game. So we've been fortunate, whether we were at South Dakota or Utah State, to do to do well. We won the Jamaica Classic a couple years ago, beating LSU. Uh, we did well down in the Vegas tournament. Um, and last year, we didn't do quite as well. Uh, but you know what? And We weren't exactly set up either. It was our first three games of the season three games in three days, and we had eight true freshmen. We didn't know what we had. I do think, even though we didn't perform well, we finished one and two, we started 0 and two, I do think those three games in three days helped us a lot on the back end. So it didn't help our record, but it helped us really figure out in a quick fashion who can play, who's got some work to do, and then go from there. Something that I wanted to bring up as far as scheduling, your old boss, John Hartwell, went onto a podcast. I'm sure you've already heard about it, but he was saying he wanted to do a home and home with you guys, but he was only willing to do a home and home. I know there's a whole perception of we're in, you know, a higher level conference, um, home and homes with a lower, I kind of use that term lightly, but having, you know, obviously the Mountain West and Pac-12 are, are different, and, and, and you're gonna and you're gonna know that coming into this season. But as far as a home and home with the Aggies, is that something you're willing to do, or or are you guys at kind of a crossroads with the Aggies? Oh, I don't think there's a. It depends on what you mean by crossroads. Uh, I'm very open to it. I think it's important to play. I've been steadfast with this playing in-state schools, whether it's BYU, Weber State, you know, right on down the line, Dixie to Utah State. And so I'm very open to it. I think a lot of it, you know, quite frankly, you know, at Utah State the last three years, we've been, you know, Utah State's been better than Utah the last three years, just to be quite frank. I mean, yeah. it's it's pretty obvious. And mm-hmm. so 
you know, we had already in scheduling, we've always contacted the Utes and, you know, you got to look at the state of each program as well. So, you know, Utah State would have been a quad one game for the University of Utah all three years, whether it was a home game for Utah or it might not have been a quad one game for Utah at home um, in, in year three. Uh, but that's how good our net ranking was at Utah State. So I think you got to look at all of that stuff and does it make sense from that standpoint? But I think it makes sense from a, a fan base perspective. I think it makes sense from a travel perspective. Like, listen, you play a road game and you drive, you know, however far it is, an hour and 20 minutes, hour and 30 minutes or whatever it might be. And so I think that's a good thing. And I say that knowing how great of a home court advantage Utah State has. I mean, they got great fans in in Cache Valley, and it's a very difficult place to play. And I know that fully. But you know what? It's not easy playing, you know, at the University of Arizona or at the University of Oregon or just go right on down the line. So part of scheduling is setting yourself up to get an at-large NCAA tournament berth in case you don't win the Pac-12 Conference Tournament Championship. Um, but part of scheduling, too, is to put yourselves in difficult situations to see what you're made of, and, and that would certainly do that. One more thing on the Aggies, and then we'll move on to your, your program. I'm sure you had a very proud coaching moment over the last couple of weeks with uh, Nimi Keita getting drafted to the Sacramento Kings and then Sam Merrill winning an NBA championship with the Milwaukee Bucks. It's been a heck of a run, <laughs> without a question. So happy for them and their families, and there's so much that goes into it. I mean, there's so many people, you know, those guys don't do it alone. Certainly, they had to do it, though. They're the ones out there doing all the workouts. They're the guys out there that are performing with one minute to go in a conference tournament title game. They're the guys out there uh, down one against LSU that have to make those plays. Coaches certainly help facilitate a lot of that stuff. Um, I'm sure they've all had individual trainers, right? Their parents that have helped them put them in position to succeed, high school coaches, AU coaches, right on down the line that so many people have helped them along the way and they would be the first to admit that. So for Sam to be able to win an NBA championship, think of how many incredible players and how many players, period, go through the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball or the WNBA or whatever it might be and never get to say they're a champion. How many college athletes are the same way? That never get to cut down the nets. That never get to win um, uh, a tournament championship, whether it's soccer or softball or whatever it was. Those dudes did it in college. They didn't just talk the talk. They walked the walk, right? Now Sam being able to win an NBA championship in his rookie year, it's incredible. And then Nimi, you know, I I wish um, people could see Nimish Keda, like if people forget his first day when he arrived at campus. He here's this six eleven long skinny kid who weighs two hundred and fifteen pounds. I have the picture. His shoulders are so narrow, and he just literally looked like he was a fifteen year old. And when we first hit the road this year, and of course college coaches haven't been able to be on the road for you know however long it was, not being able to do it last summer. They're like, "How did you get Keda?" And I'm like. A big reason we got Kata is nobody recruited, nobody was recruiting him. And so it's kind of wild. And then he goes through a, a pretty serious injury his sophomore year. And, and then he becomes the 39th pick in the NBA draft. And Eric Peterson, 
Uh, our assistant at University of Utah was with, uh, with us three years at Utah State and four years at University of South Dakota. Was the lead recruiter on him and obviously has a great relationship with him. And him and Eric and I were in Los Angeles with in Los Angeles with Nimi and his mother and a few other um, people enjoying uh, the draft day. So that was a really cool moment, a special moment that he'll certainly never forget, but we won't forget. And it's it's incredible the the thoughts and memories that go through your mind leading up to that day. And then certainly some anxious moments during the draft. And then to see that all happen and mom's in tears. And if you see up where Nimi grew up, uh, it's quite an amazing story. And now the work is really begun. He's put himself in this great situation, but now he's got more work to do. And so I'm actually heading out tomorrow to the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. We'll be able to watch Nimi play twice. We'll be able to watch Sam Merrill play twice. And we got another guy, Matt Mooney, who's a very good player for us at University of South Dakota. He's playing with the Jazz this summer. Saw him play last week in, in Vivint, and we'll be able to see him play a couple times as well. In fact, Kada and Merrill play each other on Friday night at 6 o'clock now that Sam got traded um, to the Memphis Grizzlies. So that will be a pretty special night. Yeah, that is, yeah, yeah, that is going to be a really yeah, special really for special you to be able to, to watch some of your players, players going up against, going each, up other against now, each other now rather, rather than rather just being in practice, right? right? You know, yeah, and, and most of the time they were on the same team in practice. But it's, um, um, you know, it is pretty cool when you, re, when you think about three years ago when we first, you know, got to Utah State and we were picked ninth and yeah. Sam, yeah. you know, had a lot of work to do. Uh, with his body to get his body right and to get healthy and he had to really work on his nutrition and and some other things to get a little bit quicker a little more athletic right just a little more um just to be able to get to the spots and he was able to do that and of course Kata, you know goes from 215 to 250 and now to see their dreams come true in this setting is a great start but now they just got to keep climbing the ladder and they both will now, another thing that uh, we, we haven't talked about was you actually picked up Booth Gotch. You're actually bringing him back to the University of Utah. He left for a season, went and played back in your home state, his home state, and you were able to bring him back to Utah. Just talk about the process of how you were able to get him from the Golden Gophers to the running Utes. Well, Booth uh, uh, is, is a special player. I think he's got a chance to be very, very good. You know, I think it starts twofold. Um, DeMarlo Slocum coached him for a year at the University of Utah, his freshman year. So DeMarlo and Booth, even though DeMarlo did not recruit Booth to the Utes the first time, he obviously had, he had a great relationship with Booth. And then uh, I've recruited Booth three times, and it's finally the third time is the charm. But the very last day we could be on the road recruiting, when Booth was a senior, in high school down at Compass Prep, I was there. And it was me and another school. It was not University of Utah, but it was me and an, it was Utah State and um, another school. And so visited with him that day, as well as many phone conversations. Then, of course, when, when Booth put his name in the transfer portal at the University of Utah, we recruited him for a couple weeks and, you know, maybe a little bit longer. But then it became pretty apparent with COVID and everything going on, getting home uh, became a big priority for Booth to be around his family, just with the, all the uncertainty of everything 
going on in the world at that time. And then when he decided to put his name in the portal, you know, you know, Richard Pitino is the coach that he went there to, to, to play for. And, you know, I think um, the coaching thing is a big thing with a lot of these guys when they decide on where they want to go. And, you know, for every prospect, it's different, right? Some people, it's just the school. Some people, it's style of play. Some people, it's location. Some people, it's – there's so many things that go into it. Uh, but the coach, the head coach and the coaching staff – is a huge part of it, and a tip, typically how they treat their players, what's their track record of winning and developing players, et cetera, et cetera. And so with Booth, I think it was a combination of his relationship with with our staff, Demarlo, myself, Eric Peterson. Um, he's very familiar with here. There's a reason he came here, right? He loves Salt Lake City. He loved the U. Uh, he had a great experience here, and I can't speak for him. Exactly. And I don't really get into all the, uh, those sorts of things, you know, that's only he knows that truly, but I know what we are. I know what we have to, uh, I don't want to say sell, but I know what we have to offer these guys that come here and it's a, it's an incredible place. And so I think it all just kind of added up and he had a lot of options. He could have went maybe not anywhere in the country, but he could have went a lot of places uh, in the country and he chose up. He had a great summer, really got stronger, got more explosive, and is really starting to figure out our style of play where he can be a big-time playmaker for the running Utes. And so, you know, we still got to see, you know, we're still working on some things in terms of eligibility um, to, to, to make sure he can play this year. And I think we're in a good spot that way, but nothing's official um, as of this time. So we're excited to have Booth here and, He's got the greatest smile and personality, and uh, we're sure fortunate to have him back at the U. Where do you see him fitting within your system? Obviously, at Utah, when when Larry was here, he was playing the one, mainly off the ball. The two could play the three because of his length. Where do you kind of see him playing within your system? Well, we plan on playing him all over. Uh, I think that's what he is. He's got tremendous versatility. Obviously, he's got great size at 6'6", 6'7", and very long. Um, he's very instinctive. Um, so he's a guy that he's just, to me, he's a playmaking guard. He can play the one, he can play the two, he can play the three. It's a little bit of semantics the way we look at it. And so, you know, if you watch us play, you know, I hate to use this term because so many people use it. It's kind of a little bit of a catchphrase, the positionless basketball and all that. And I don't know that we're, I don't get totally into that. But we do have a very exciting brand of basketball, a fun style of play, where a guy like him, but quite frankly, a lot of our guys have such a versatile skill set in terms of, you know, what they bring to the table for the Utes. And so, you know, boost a guy that can handle, he can pass, he can shoot, he can get to the rim, he can make good decisions. So then it comes down to who can you guard? You know, can you guard the other team's point guard when they got a uh, a 510 jet, right? That can get from, you know, free throw line to free throw line on the blink of an eye. Or maybe they got in our, in this league, can he guard a 6768, you know, wing that's kind of, um, you know, whether they're a straight slashing guy, but an uber offensive rebounder, or are they like a Scotty Pippen type where it's like just kind of a walking triple double? You know, and I'm not sure Booth is that, but I do think Booth is a guy that's a stat stuffer 
where every you'd never be surprised if Booth has you know 18 points, you know seven assists and seven rebounds, right? Where he just can stuff the stat sheet uh, every night out, and that's what he's going to need to do for for us. Since you've joined the Utes, uh, it's been what since April now. Um, March 28th, I believe. Yeah, there you go. Pretty much right, right, right into April. But there you go. But uh, you know, have, have you noticed a difference in in your ability to be able to recruit now that you have that Running Utes logo on your shirts as you're going around to these different tournaments and that, as opposed from you know other other stops within your your career? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the biggest thing is, you know, when you when you see that logo or the logo behind me, I mean that has cachet that has name recognition and we have a great brand so when you hop on an airplane or you go to an airport or you walk into a gym in las vegas or at the you know the under armor events in you know wherever it might be indianapolis or dallas texas or you know you go to uh we haven't been to a high school gym yet but you bring kids on campus you know, we've had such a great response in so many ways. June 1st was the very first day we could bring kids back on campus, pre-NCAA rules with the COVID. And, and we had, uh, I mean, a bunch of uh, primarily in-state guys on campus. We had a few guys from out of state that flew in on unofficial visits. And now we're ramping up, getting ready to, we have some high, high caliber recruits, highly touted recruits that will be making visits to the University of Utah here coming up this fall, pre-NCA rules, I can't name names. Uh, and I love our recruiting class that we brought in this year. You know, I think it's really helped us um, get in the door on some guys. And when you, I love our coaching staff. I think we have a great coaching staff with connections all over that are just good, down-to-earth, normal people that treat people right, but have a tremendous track record um, of, of of helping guys get better and and having that kind of uh, reputation around the country, and and so and then you look at all the things that we have at the University of Utah, starting with our tradition of excellence in all facets, specifically men's basketball. Uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in part of the players' lounge right now, and I'm looking at it says Utes in the NBA, and I see all the guys that have made it to the NBA, and then. The championship banners, regardless of our um, league affiliate. And then our facilities are off the chart. And then you get to live in this amazing state and this great city of Salt Lake City. There's nothing we don't have. And so now it's on us as coaches and as players to go out and, and make it happen. And I'm so fired up to be here. Mark Harlan and our administration have been off the charts. It's... Um, you know, they just said, hey, let's find a way to make it happen. Whatever it might be, let's be creative and go. And uh, it's been a great four months, and I can't wait to get rolling uh, when school starts on August 23rd. I, I know, I know, I that, know that there's a lot to be said about, about NIL. NIL. What are your, what are thoughts, your thoughts about, about it? it? I'm excited about it. As a coach, we've known this has been going to – I mean, <laughs> this has been talked about for at least two years. I remember being in, in head coaches meetings with administrators at Utah State and just talking shot, like understanding what it is exactly and how it's going to go. And we didn't, nobody knew exactly how it was going to happen and what the rules and regulations verbatim was going to be. But you could see the tea leaves, so to speak, 
for the last two years. It was just, it wasn't if, it was just a matter of time of when. And yeah. so, you know, there's a lot of different thoughts out there, but it's reality. And so I try not to, I love to live in reality and, and, and this is what it is. And so I think it's exciting. I think it's a great opportunity for all student athletes, whether you're a men's basketball player, a football player, a volleyball player, a gymnast, a softball player, doesn't matter to go out and capitalize on their name, image and likeness. Um, I think it's important for the student athletes to understand how they got their name, image and likeness and where they're at and not forget about that part of things. But there's definitely some rules and regulations. Everybody's got to abide by it. There's strict guidelines that coaches have to and the coaching staff needs to abide by. Um, there's policies and procedures that the 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 players or student athletes have to abide by. And, and those guys are going to find out quick what an LLC is and how you got to pay taxes yep. and how that all works. Like it's not just straight cash, you know, like that's just not how it goes. So, you know, I think our guy, not I think, I know some of our guys are taking advantage of some of that stuff. Some other guys are not too worried about it. And they're just worried about hoops, you know, and getting better. So um, obviously it's a different time and, and things are changing along the college landscape in so many ways um, across the board, especially the last three to five years. Think about how different um, the landscape is. And I would anticipate some other things changing as well. When you see Texas and Oklahoma, um, you know, leaving the Big 12 to the SEC and how does, what's the domino effect of that? And so, um, you know, just like you, you ask your players and your staff, to, it's always about NBA, next best action. And so now NIL is here and uh, I, there's certain things we can do and can't do and we're going to help them the best that we can um, uh, within the guidelines of the rules provided by the NCAA. When NIL did become, become a thing, what did you what tell did you your tell players, players about it? I just said, what an exciting time. You know, um, we're take advantage of the opportunities. It's awesome for you to be able to help yourself in the right way, but make sure you have a thorough understanding of what's going on, right? And, and that's an always in shape, shape and form. Who you're entering business deals with, right? What exactly are they looking for? Align yourself with the right people and make sure you do it in the right way that doesn't jeopardize, you know, yourself or the team. And so um, um, we're, you know, I'm not crazy into all kinds of rules that we have standards and, and just talked about it and said, if you have any questions, talk to us as a coaching staff or obviously our compliance people. But our administration has been great getting ahead of the game and really trying to help our guys explore different, not, and not just our guys, all our student athletes at the University of Utah to help them put them in the best position to have sustained success. Now, I, I had a great conversation with, with David Jenkins, and, and this was really in? cool. Huh? Did, you get a, did you get a word in, Trevor? Yeah, I did, actually. And it, it was a great conversation, and I, I wanted to get your thoughts on it because I asked him about NIL, and I was like, look, how are you going to be able to balance NIL, your endorsement deals and all of that stuff, trying to even you know go after it, focus on basketball, and then also academics? And he actually said that when NIL became a thing, that he caught himself worrying about it too much and that when he should be going in and getting some shots up, getting a workout in and things like that, he actually ended up catching himself 
doing that. And then he said, I also told all, all of our teammates that, you know, guys, there's life after basketball. We need to worry about winning a championship as opposed to going after all these NIL deals. Just speak to that leadership because I thought I've actually talked to a lot of athletes about this. And I think that was probably the best answer he's ever given of all the people I've talked to about NIL. Well, first of all, that tells you a lot about David, and he is a smart guy. He's can be a deep thinker. Um, he's very creative and innovative, and, um, and he's intelligent. And so you do. You get one college career, and we have not told our players this yet, but you do. You get one college career. Um, so many guys that I know that I've coached or what have you or that come in and speak to your team – you know, maybe I didn't coach them at the University of Utah, but when they come back and talk to your guys, they always talk to them, enjoy your college days because it's different when you become a pro, right? And, and we won't get into all that piece of it, but it's, it should be the time of your life in so many respects. And I think it is important. It's easily, there's distractions all over, right? And so some people might view NIL as a distraction. I don't, I think in the, I don't think it, I think in its, uh, what's the right word, theory of it, it's an awesome thing, but I think you have to be guarded with, is it going to be a distraction or not? I think it can really help people, though, too, be creative and open their minds to a whole different world. But what got them to this point? You know what I mean? There's so, it's, it's the game that got them there, right? And so sometimes you can spread yourself too thin. There's a lot of other distractions uh, in the world as well. And I think we can think of a lot of them off the top of our head. So, but David's a smart guy. We got a lot of smart guys in our team that I think are very well thought out, that see the big picture, that came here for a common purpose, right? And 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 obviously that's all themed around the game of basketball. And so you guys are gonna love being around David and and love his answers, and he's got great charisma to him. You know, it's funny when we started recruiting them because obviously the the story, we, we played against him when we were at South Dakota and he had I told him in the recruiting process he had twenty five on us in the in the in the summer league championship game to go to the NCAA tournament and he politely reminded me it was twenty nine. And then uh, he sat out a year at UNLV, our second year at Utah State, he had hung I think thirty one or thirty three on us uh, in one game at UNLV. Of course they lost that game. But, but we won't get into that. But he's just a fun guy to be around. He's gotten better. He had a good summer as well. Um, he's really improved some things he needed to get better at. And then he's just a bucket getter. I mean, that guy can score it from a lot of different places. So we're excited to have him in our program. Two more things for you, Coach. How have summer workouts been? Uh, j- just to have the guys back, back in the gym, getting some work in, and, and starting to get to know these guys as you guys are ramping up for this season. And it's been awesome. You know, you, you get hired uh, uh, on March 28th and you go through all this stuff and you don't know exactly if you're going to be able to be back on the road recruiting. You don't know exactly what the rules are going to be. You know, just the things that uh, specifically are players, but all over the country and coaches had to deal with, with COVID and testing and what are the protocols going to be and what are the, you know, our guys are 100%, everybody in our program is is vaccinated is fully vaccinated from players to coaches to support personnel so there's a lot of things that we put ourselves in a position we don't have to uh 
go crazy about with the protocols because we are fully vaccinated. So to be able to, you know, we didn't miss any time except certain guys missed some times with specific injuries. That That's part of the game. But to be on, that's the favorite part about coaching, right? Being on the floor, sweating with your players, having fun, getting better. You know, I'd say the first three or four weeks, it was a big learning curve in a lot of ways. We did almost all skill development for the first three weeks. And then we really started ramping up our team workouts with the skill development. These guys, you forget, you know, we only returned, 20, like I said earlier, 24% of our scoring. We returned four guys in our program that have ever played more than four minutes in their career with the University of Utah basketball. So there's a ton of new faces, a lot of inexperience. Um, but I love our guys. I'm super excited about this group. I don't know how good we're going to be, but we've shown that we have an attitude that craves improvement. We have guys that want to be coached and not just want to be coached when they're doing well, that want to be up in the offices watching film with, with a member of the coaching staff, that want to ask questions at the right time. You know, it took a little while to understand like the pace we play with and the Gator mentality and diving on the floor and sprinting the pick, pick guys up, you know, and what we're looking for. Uh, but they're, they've really bought in. I thought the first three weeks we had to coach effort a decent amount and multiple effort plays and making tough guy plays. And now I'd say the last three weeks, we really haven't had to talk about that at all. Like now it's just kind of understood and we've really been able to dive into coaching and playing. And you could see the last two weeks or so, two and a half weeks, I felt like we really got better. And, um, and that was easy to see as a coach. I'm not sure our players see that, but we do. We got to get better at a lot of things. When you look at last year to this year, rebounding is a big thing. You know, uh, getting to the foul line is a big thing. We were, we were like at the bottom of our league in defensive rebounding. We were number two in the country in rebounding at Utah State. And we can get into more specifics last that we have to get better at. But it's a group that really wants to be great and really wants to represent running Utes in the, in the right fashion and, and uh, thoroughly, it was a, it's been a joy to be around them. And part of it now, they all think they're playing 35 minutes a game, Trevor. So that can change a little bit when guys, yeah, yeah. you know, see where they're at, so to speak. But we still, it's exciting because we had eight great weeks. We'll have six weeks when we start before we practice. And then we'll have another six weeks once we start practice. So it's going to be on us quick. However, we still have a good 12 weeks to really improve as a team and to really develop these guys' games um, to, to get to where we need to go. So that's exciting. You're not ready You're not to name any starting lineup yet, are you? Not even close. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do think we have some depth in our program. Like, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of guys. It's going to be super competitive, Trevor. Super competitive. And, and I think we have enough depth and versatility um, that we can play a lot of different ways. I think we can play big. I think we can play small. I think we can play fast. I think we can play slow. Um, um, and so we'll see what happens. I'm pumped. I'm going back and watching all the team practices here um, between now and when school starts. And, and, and I've started that process already. Uh, and then really diving into the league and watching more conference games as well, just to keep getting a better feel for all the teams um, in the conference, but it's going to be super competitive. It's going to be an exciting brand of basketball. Can't wait to pack the Huntsman Center and get this thing rolling. 
How, how, how deep, deep do you normally go, go into, into your bench, bench on, 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 a, on a typical, a typical game, game as far as rotation? Yeah, it, dep- it depends on the team. You know, uh, early on at Utah State, we had 11 guys on our team. We played all 11, which I wouldn't say that's normal, but it was the same type of thing where <clears throat> we clearly had our top guy, like Kata and Merrill were our top, like our best two players. And then we had a bunch of guys kind of right after that depending on who we were playing, you know, uh, with some things. And then we had another group, but it was hard to get a ton of set. It was almost like we had three kind of chunks. Yeah. And, and we just started playing them. I mean, I remember Abel Porter and Justin Bean were hardly playing, and they were both walk-ons. I don't like to label guys like that because, to me, if you're in our program, you're in our program. But those guys both worked their way to earning a scholarship at semester time. They were playing the 10th and 11th most minutes uh, of, of those 11 guys. And it's hard in November because you're just playing games and you don't get a lot of practice time. Then December hit and we were able to settle in and get some good, valuable practice time. And mm-hmm. Abel and Bean just kept getting better. And I remember telling my wife, like, I don't know why I'm not playing these guys. And she's like, well, you're the dummy. So we started playing them more and they just kept ascending. Other guys just kind of kept the same level, right? And so you never know what players – and what guys are just going to keep climbing that ladder and keep ascending and keep developing their confidence. Um, last year, by the end of the year, we were only playing about seven, which I don't like playing seven guys. Ideally, we're playing nine to ten. I love having depth. I think it matters. I think it's healthy for competition. And, uh, and I just think it really helps you, especially in the Pac-12, where you're playing Thursday and Saturday. So you have the two games in three days. Um, but I, I like playing a lot of guys. Final thing. I know that the uh, conference got a brand new commissioner in uh, George Klyovkov. He's really put an emphasis and focus on making football and men's basketball competitive because those are the revenue generating sports. Have you had any interactions with him as of yet? How have those gone? I haven't had any like one-on-one interactions. Obviously just some things with the league and, and, and dialogue with Mark Harlan, our athletic director. So I'm excited about it. Seems like a great guy and a passionate guy. And, um, you know, I'm excited where this league is going. Think of where this league ended last year with, what was it, five teams in the, in the Sweet 16. And I think the league is going to be really, really good this year. <laughs> like, really, really good. And that's a great thing. Now, you know, who knows if I'll be saying that in February. But, uh, but that's what you want. You want high expectations. I want high expectations in our program, period. So I've been over from the time I was a 22-year-old coach starting this profession, and it doesn't matter if I've been the head coach at Mayville or South Dakota or Utah State or the University of Utah. We want a fan base that is pumped. We want a fan base that has high expectations. You want to be in the best of the best, and the Pac-12 has proven that. And so I've always believed, bring on the competition. Let's find out who we are and what we are. And it's a process for us, right? But everywhere we go, our goals are make the NCAA tournament and win when we get there. And this year's no different. Have you also caught up with Kyle Whittingham yet? Uh, briefly. I need to get over to a football practice. He's been, he's such a great person. Obviously, their program has been incredible. And, you, you know, polls don't tell you everything. You know, but I think one thing that preseason polls do tell you is the level of respect your program has earned. 
And certainly the University of Utah football program has earned a ton of respect nationwide. And so when you see these preseason polls where they're almost always ranked, I think I saw one where they're 15 and a bunch of others where they're in the top 25. It's an exciting time. So can't wait to get over there and watch a few practices and uh, and see where this team goes. It's going to be exciting to fill that stadium up. Are you going to catch a game in that brand new renovated Rice Cycle Stadium? A lot more than one game. I'll be at every game. Trust me. Yeah. Um, and then also the Vikings. Are you are you bummed that Aaron Rodgers chose to come back for the Packers? Uh, I don't know if bummed is the right word. Aaron Rodgers, I, it's hard for me to say this being a Vikings. I mean, I'm a staunch Vikings fan. And uh, I just love football. Our players look at me like I'm out of our mind. All the football analogies we use, our, our European guys think it's a soccer analogy. But, uh, you know, no, I, like, let's, let's beat them when they're at their best. So uh, we got a couple Packer fans on our, on our staff. So we always have a fun, uh, fun time and fun debates with that, with that whole thing. So excited for this NFL season to get rolling. At least you guys have a, a quarterback. Denver Broncos can't say that. Uh, are you a Bronco fan? Yeah. Hey, I think the Broncos are up in Minneapolis right now. They're doing their uh, – uh, Yeah, like, yeah, like the mixed, yeah, training whatever. camp. Drew Locke, I mean, I don't know. I he's mean, he's trash. still young. He's he trying to have a breakout season. You never know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, your your uh, former quarterback, T- Teddy Bridgewater, was traded over there, so they're, they're battling it out. I know. I hear that. Uh, I, I follow a guy uh, on social media that's a Broncos guy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But it's always sports. It's just so fun to follow sports. And it's, like, enjoyable. You know, in about two, three weeks here, it'll really start ramping up with our workouts and on-the-road recruiting so it becomes harder. And then, of course, when the season starts. But just you know, watching the Olympics and that spirit, I mean, whether it's a gymnast, or watching the volleyball team win gold, the track and field. You know, it's so fun to watch the best of the best, whether it's Olympics or the NFL or whatever, that competitive spirit, that drive. It's just truly amazing how, you know, a gold medal you are like, right? Especially like in a track and field where it's literally, I forget a couple of those races, the 400 hurdles maybe, or the four, where it's like, I mean, literally the difference. Even swimming. Oh, yeah, swimming. I mean, the lock, that, that guy's incredible. But, like, how you go from a gold to not even placing in four years of training, and not even to mention their whole lives of training up to that point, but, you know, and it comes down to that. It's just truly amazing um, the discipline and the toughness that these athletes have to have mentally, physically, and everything that they go through for that moment. It, it's truly a, a remarkable and uh, it's so exciting to have uh, this time of year and uh, just seeing outside of my office all the student athletes walking around and you can tell there's already more energy and it'll be really ramped up in two weeks. Well, Coach, it's always good to catch up with you. Hopefully we'll uh, do it again soon. I need to come up to uh, come up and visit you guys in person and meet you in person. Hopefully we'll we'll get that done here in you know the next month or two. But uh, always, always great catching up with you. Thanks for joining me. Stop up anytime, Trevor. Go Utes. All right, there you go. That is head coach Craig Smith here on a special live edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's always powered by kslsports.com. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.